Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 190. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the internationally renowned game designer and author of Tian Sha, Blood, Silk, and Jade, Jack Norris. Hello, everyone. Jack, how you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, I mean, Good. you know, the, world, the world's crazy, but um, but I'm doing okay. So Good. it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the way, uh, it, it's been, it's been decent so far, decent week, you know, kind of a long week, but we're doing good. I've actually just recently signed a new, uh, I can't say what it is yet cause it hasn't been announced, but I just signed a deal on a new book and I'm looking forward to getting started on that and some other stuff's been going on. So it's been a busy, but very, very good week. So, wow. And I gotta say, before we jump in and, and, and talk about all things fake core, I gotta <laughs> say though, is you do a lot of books. You have done a lot of tabletop role-playing books. I think, and I could be wrong about this, but I think my last count, as I have contributed to in some fashion, uh, about 150 of them. I don't know if they're all there. I don't know if if Goodreads will have all of them up, and probably some ones that they don't have up. And and I got to say, I mean, despite the fake core system, and we were talking about this before we went live, probably one of your best, best um, role-playing games is definitely Vegan for Life. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's what happens though when you're when you're a creator and you have a name and you're and you you think yeah I don't know anybody with that name and then you know there's there's seven billion people on the planet or so like last time I checked and so you know there, there's a I think I think he's down in Australia there's an author Jack Norris who does a bunch of vegan stuff apparently very well regarded in that field and uh, okay I will have people ask me sometimes like is that you and I'm like no no and I'm sure he gets the same thing I'm sure he yeah. is like has people, you know, angry about something he wrote in John Carter of Mars or whatever. And I'm like, you know, because while they're at like some sort of like, you know, vegan, you know, summit or something like right. that. So before we jump in and, and talk more about Tian Sha, kind of give your, our, our audience, our listeners and our viewers a little bit of background of Jack Norris and the, you are a Renaissance man when it comes to different, <laughs> different platforms and then in different gaming systems i've worked on a lot of games i've worked on i've done some short fiction i've done some fiction i've done um i've never really done any like i mean i've 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 like helped out with a few short films but i've never really done any filmmaking though i studied film in school um so i I apply that a lot to how i approach game design um so so talk to us about how did you get into uh writing for games so there's like there's like two parts of the story i think which Mm. is for not too long. I mean, I got into gaming games because when I was playing D and D as a kid, you know, and I was watching. Um, I remember this I, weirdly. It came back to me. I'd forgotten about it, and we're, I was watching something that came back to me. Um, and I wanted. To, I was said, oh, I, I wonder if I can make my own game, you know. And so I and so I start. And it was like I was probably. Geez, I don't remember how old I was. I knew I was. I, I had to have been no older than a freshman in high school. Wow. Like that. Like that. Like like there, because of the timing and where I was at the time and my family moved around, which makes it actually nice to be able to tell where I was at various points. Um, and I think it was younger. Than, I think I was older than that, younger than that. I think I was, I think it's probably more realistic to say it was probably like, you know, sixth grade, probably, okay. you know, something more like that. And I was, um, I decided, you know, I had been, been playing D and D and running with some folks and it was fun. And I picked up a couple of the other games out there, uh, champions and star frontiers and some of the other stuff contemporary to the time. 
And I said, well, maybe I can make a game. And I looked around at what there wasn't a game for. And I was looking around what I enjoyed. And I w- my dad and I were big fans of the show Miami Vice. Okay. So I made a uh, – I, 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 I'm trying to remember – I remember the, the it was called Smugglers and something because you know it was a D and D everything had to be something and something, right. and I don't remember what the second one was, but it was Smugglers and something, and it was basically um, a D and D like style ish game that I wrote and I wrote it out like by hand on notebook paper and okay. put it together and then like photocopied a copy of it so that at least you know I had an extra copy, um, and it was just you know a pretty standard game. It was like you know you, you I mean I mean look back at it now and I'm kind of like oh I really had like a, a mechanic where you leveled up by doing your job so like if you were a smuggler you leveled up by you know smuggling and being very very you know and if you were a cop you leveled up by busting criminals and if you were you know uh if you were you know whatever you were it was and i'm like oh that's actually you know that's not too bad i mean it's kind of like you know or, and some other bits and pieces but i did that i did a few other ones you know that were just fun not, nothing ever happened with them. i don't know if i even played half of them. i just you know made them and then um, I always thought that'd be kind of a fun thing to do. And then I was doing, co- and then I went to college and I was doing other things. And the opportunity came to work on a game. I was playing in a lot of games, both live action and um, and tabletop. But uh, uh, so a friend of mine want, and had an idea that he wanted to make a uh, a, a game, and we had a, someone who was willing to help us publish it. And so I did a game called Noir, which was a film noir role playing game. Because uh, okay. I was a huge fan of film noir, I still am, uh, and I was studying film at the time, and so it seemed a very good good fit because i'm like well this is something i can do and uh that was a sort of love-hate relationship with that because it was my first game and it came out it was a big thing you know well really not big of a thing but there was a lot was that mean streets uh no mean streets was after that okay i started doing mean streets after somebody contacted me because noir wanted me to help with mean Streets. that was mark bruno and uh, todd downing were doing mean streets at the time and they were and we did that uh but but noir was just kind of its own thing and it was and it it imploded spectacularly um there's a whole story that would go on for i mean about how bad it got um i i got i got some stuff out of it i got my first publishing credit i got my best friend chris warner out of it um mm-hmm. uh, but i also like you know there were some relationships of mine that just have never repaired from what happened there and mm-hmm. some other things which you know it, it happens i mean I, in a way i feel lucky because i i learned some people i thought were trustworthy weren't some people i thought were i were dependable weren't some pop some some things that I thought were, you know, if at least an acceptable way of doing things, even if I wasn't thrilled with them, eh, hmm. I've since come to realize from hard lessons that that's not, there's no way to run a railroad, so to speak. Hmm. Uh, but I, but that's what I, so I did, I did that. That's how I started. Um, and that was back in 1996, 97. Um, and then I did uh, that for a few years. And I uh, worked on a few other small things. I did a little bit for White Wolf. I did a few other things here and there. And then I kind of retired to go to law school. Um, because I didn't have time to do it. And then, and that retirement didn't even last all the way through law school because midway through law school, uh, Todd Downing and Mike, Mark Bruno, who were doing Mean Streets, asked would I be willing to help them write uh, a supplement they were doing for the game and do some okay. stuff based on film noir and things like that. And so I did that, and then I did a few other small things. And then that was, you know, that was things. I worked on Scion uh, for a while for White Wolf, uh, did a, a, and a few other books um exalted etc cetera, etc cetera. and then i kind of jumped back in after that with um i went to uh uh i got working on the dc game for green running uh the dc adventures role-playing game which led to me where i also working on some masterminds third edition which used the same system right. uh, and then i was hired by green running to be their dragon age developer uh, so okay I did the, so i did the rpg for dragon age um 
for a while there. And then also that turned Dragon Age turned into Fantasy Age, their Fantasy Age, which was the non-licensed version of of with, with some changes. And I was a Fantasy Fantasy Age developer. And then uh, a few years ago, I was ready to move on. I moved on. Um, and you know, I've uh, I worked. I was the uh, I've done have had a bunch of different jobs during that period. Um, I was uh, the lead writer and designer on John Carter Mars RPG from Modiphius. I've also okay. worked on their Dune line. Um, I've done a bunch of stuff with Vigilance Press, including Tian Shabbat. That's just one of the things we've done. Uh, I'm doing a lot of stuff recently with Gallant Knight Games, working on their Tiny Supers, Tiny like their Tiny D6 line, and also the Zorro RPG that they had. Um, I was doing a lot of stuff for that, um, and we're going to be and we're going to be doing more stuff with, with them, with with both them and Vigilance going forward. Uh, I've done, you know, I worked on Pugmire, uh, Andy uh, Eddie Webb's uh, uh, sort of fun, you know, dog fantasy the, the through onyx path or? yeah yeah and yeah. eddie's a great guy and I, I did i did a story for his anthology it was a fiction piece that i did i didn't actually do any game writing for that one i just only did the fiction piece um but i've done you know a bunch of stuff um i'm trying to even remember some of the things like i said i've been working on a lot and i mean and sometimes mm. it's 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 a one-off you know i do one chapter in a book and i never touch right. that line or that book again you know series again and sometimes it's something like John Carter or, you know, or Tianxia or, um, right. or, you know, Dragon Age or, uh, I mean, uh, Marvel Heroic. When I, when I worked on that, I did a lot of that. Right. Um, I don't think there's any of those books that don't have stuff I did in them. Um, but one of the ones that came out. Right. And, so, so talk to us about the, uh, talk to us a bit about uh, Tianxia. So how did the, how did the impetus of the creation of this game happen? So I'm a huge, huge Hong Kong cinema fan. I've mentioned before about something about something. And I, I mean, and I started with more sort of heroic bloodshed stuff. John Woo uh, being right. one of my still being one of my favorite directors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also kind of grew up when I was growing up. I would watch some of the old Shaw Brothers films, which I really enjoyed. Um, you know, the Five Deadly Venoms and some of the older you know kung fu movies. And uh, so, so then I, you know, in the '90s, I started to get into, uh, you know, the actual the more the, the Wuja films of the time. Um, you know, Bride with White Hair, uh, Savior of the Soul, some of the other ones of that type. And I really started, um, you know, diving into that. And it was just a thing that I really loved. And I was, and I was at the time, I was working and doing some games, but I was like, man, maybe I should do my own game, you know, on top of, and this was, this was pre Kickstarter and all this other stuff. So I had no idea how I was going to put this out. It was just, it was, I was in law school at the time and I was trying to set, and I apparently decided I didn't have enough to do. Uh, because I don't know why, but I did. And so I started working on the game and I, I had a game called Four Kingdoms, which was okay. a Wuja game. And um, it used a different system, but uh, that was sort of the prototype for Tiansha. And I, I had the game, it was, you know, it was, I got a playtest copy together. I had a series of stuff. I started to write the world. I started to write the history. And then a bunch of stuff happened and I was, and, you know, mostly work related. And I was like, I don't have time for this right now, but to set mm-hmm. it aside for right now, when I have an opportunity, I'm going to look at exploring it again. Fast forward nearly 10 years. Wow. And okay. I am sitting there talking with James Dossie and he's like, have you seen this fake core Kickstarter starter that they're doing? It's exploded. And it had, mm-hmm. it was huge at the time. I think by the time I started paying attention to it, it already had six, seven, eight thousand backers. And it, I think it ended up having well over 10,000 by the time it was done. 
Right. And he is like, he's like, look, if you would you be interested in doing something, we should do a, something with this system because it's going to be open. You're going to be an SRD, uh, standard, uh, you know, standard resource document. You're going to be able, to, we're, we're going to be able to do that without paying a licensing fee or whatever. And he's like, I'd really like to have do that. And he said, and so he said, um, you know, what can you come up with some ideas? And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll give me a, give me a little time. I'll go, I'll, I'll put together a pitch, you know, for right. a few things. And I didn't put all in on, I, I did a quick list of like, I think it was maybe six ideas, maybe, maybe, it may have been four. It was, it was only a few. And um, one of them was this, what was, was mm. do a Wuja game, you know, a kind of a Kung Fu Wuja game. Uh, the other one, curiously enough, is, is the, was the one that I just signed the book deal on. Okay. So I'll be doing that as well, um, or a version of it as well for, you know, coming forward at some point, which is kind of a neat little, like, huh, who knew? I guess those ideas sometimes just have to sit around long enough. <laughs> um, but so so what happened, though, was uh, originally it was going to be a 10,000-word, you know, sort of short thing. It was going to be a little, mm. like those fate, like the Fate Worlds and stuff that were coming out from uh, Fate Core at the time. Uh, right. That were either part of the Kickstarter or coming out shortly afterwards. They were about ten to fifteen thousand words. Gave you a basic setting. Gave you some basic, slight tweaks to the rules, and that was it. And I started, and I was like, "Well, I can do this." And I started writing it. Hmm. And I started talking to James about Four Kingdoms, this game I'd done you know, ten years ago, and I started talking about how. And he said, "Would well, you think this would? Could you make this a fake game?" And I said, "Well, maybe, because I, I, you know, I need to really look at it." And I, I looked at the system and I kind of absorbed it and said, "Yeah, I think I can." I said, as long as you're cool with me doing this, these two or three things that I think are like, I won't be happy unless I include those. Mm. Uh, we we can do that. And so I started it, and it quickly ballooned from uh, like a ten thousand word document all the way up to like I think I think what was like eighty six thousand words wow. by the time I was you know, and and that happened kind of alarmingly quickly for me. It was one of the faster books I wrote, and um, and then we you know we we put that out, and then you know when we got the Kickstarter. Uh, you know, he's like, do you have more ideas? I said, oh, yeah. I said, I, I only put the westernmost province of the whole empire into the game, right. you know, in, into the core book as our setting. You know, there's there's a whole world out there. There's 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 bad guys. There's, you know, factions. There's cults. There's religion. There's other cultures. There's all sorts of stuff we can talk about. Right. And uh, so we we got a few of those in the Kickstarter, uh, in the Kickstarter stretch goals. And those came out. And those are the supplements that... Uh, for Tian Sha that are available. Uh, there's a magic supplement. There's a couple on a couple on the northern provinces. There's another one on the southern provinces, and in those includes additional martial arts and ideas and characters and things like that. And uh, right. I, I mean, I'm also then working on the rest of you know the, the world as we go forward. So right, and those those three supplements you're talking about. The first one was a uh, spirits, beasts, and spells, which yep. was a magic supplement. Yep. Then you had the strife fire and smoke which is the pirates and thieves yep yeah, yeah, so basically it's a southern southern china which included my pirate uh my uh chang uh pirate i'm probably mangling her name the uh yeah. the, the famed uh, uh chinese pirate queen which um and and so i had my stand-in for her and some other things and of course the uh, you know nine dragons which was uh which is our version of hong kong and, and then you had the war iron and stow, which was your mass combat, which and the mass combat rules in, in also the northern provinces. So that was your wow. sort of like northern, uh, you know, um, what would eventually type. be what would eventually become, you know, the, the Mongol, yeah, the Mongol sort of the wall, the Great Wall, et cetera. Right. Uh, the setting is actually the it's the setting for the book is 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 kind of it is a historical China that wasn't sort of set setting so it's based heavily right. on the traditional nine provinces of china including the names and a lot of what they do 
uh, but I was intentionally not set during a particular period or specifically in actual China, though the name Shenzhou is an old name for China right. uh, the, of the of the land. Um, but what we um, what we wanted to do was it was something that I'd seen a lot with historical based games, particularly ones that are set in cult other cultures that are also tied to something like Wuja or some sort of fantasy element is um, if you pick just one part to set it in, um, it's a lot of lifting for maybe something that people aren't even going to want or do. I mean, there are, there are so many dynasties and time periods to do uh, with. And then of course you, have the whole with Tian Shai, you have a whole other reasons why, which I'm sure we'll talk at least a little bit about right. why that's not even like that important to what's going on in the story sometimes. So, so talk to us about it because you said that James, he came to you and he said, Listen, fake core, this, yeah. this kicks it or blew it's up. Like I, I, uh, he loved the he, he loved the system as, as a player right. and as a GM, and he also loved it as a publisher. So it was like, he was like, I want to do something with this. Right. He was the one who really got me to look at it. I mean, I was familiar with fate, I can act like I right. wasn't. But I'll be honest; it was it wasn't actually a system I was actively designing in or working on a lot. And he 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 asked me to take a look at it, and I took a look at it. And I said, "Wow, this is really good! Like, I really like what they're doing with this." You so, know? as a because at this point you've already produced a lot of games already, mm -hmm. what were the things about the Fate Core system that that really made you pay attention to it? I, so, I think the biggest thing for me was uh, the four actions was actually okay. I think those and the symmetry. Of, of a few of those elements where it was like, there's four of this, there's four of that, there's four of this. But it was also, um, what I loved about the four actions were they boiled everything down so well. And the inclusion particularly of the create an advantage action was mm. so useful with the way that I like to design games and what I like to do. And also the projects I was looking at, like something like Tinsha. And I was like, being able to create an advantage on the fly that has a me mechanical element and also mm -hmm. create sort of like, a, you know, modifies the fiction of the setting, you know, right. however you want to use that terminology, um, but basically create because as, because it, because it effectively creates an aspect and aspects are both can be invoked for a mechanical be, be, benefit and fate, but they also are facts. Right. They're things that are true. And so having something where you can do that, it was really attractive for something where I wanted things to move fast. Because my, I was a firm belief for me that if you can't do a martial arts game that moves at a certain clip, there's really not a point of doing it. Right. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe other people will, but for me personally, I'm just like I want it to move. I want it. To, I want to. I want people to be able to, you know, boom, 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 and either do that by having things, having an action cover a lot of movement and actions, or because you can move really fast, because you can resolve quickly or relatively quickly. Right. Um, and and that's and I and I feel kind of, I feel sort of the same way about swashbuckling and a couple other genres, where I just I feel like for me my ideal is that the if you can the faster and and one thing that fate has um, while you can absolutely manipulate the dice, um, very you know with with aspect with the fate points with and, fate yeah. points and, and aspect invocation and you can sort of uh, it also it's a really fast system if you're just looking for a result, right? Um, you know particularly if it's an opposed test. I mean a good example of this would be. You know, if you had two guys who wanted to, you know, just their characters was going to beat on each other and not going to worry about fate points and everything, they're going to see what happens. Um, well, they have, you know, basically static ranks. You know, your, your fight or your athletics or whatever is going to be a particular rank. The dice are going to modify that. So you'll know without really any, you know, with, with minimal variation what's going to happen. 
Um, mm. So you're kind of looking for those high dice rolls or low dice rolls to affect what happens. But if, you know, but if two characters are, you know, are sitting there beating on each other and just throwing, you know, literally a dozen different attacks at each other, it only has to take a couple minutes. Right. And because it only has to take a couple minutes, that led to me saying, well, that's the system. That's why the system can do Kung Fu. You know, right. that cinematic Kung Fu. Because it only, because it can go fast. You know? And, and then, of course, you know, the, the, the counter to that is, well, what about if you bring in all these special abilities and everything? Doesn't that slow it down? I said, absolutely slows it down. It also tends to end the fight. Right. <laughs> or, or, or go very, or, or push it definitely towards an area. You know, once you start invoking all that stuff, once you start bringing in those techniques, it takes a little extra time. I'm not going to claim that it doesn't, right. but it starts to influence the, uh, the, the, the resolution in a way that becomes like, for, that to me feels very appropriate to the genre that it's emulating. Mm. And I think that's good for, and I, and I, and that goes for fate. Like, I actually think fate is great for pulp. I think it's great for, uh, you know, swashbuckling. I think it's great for, um, you know, Wuja and martial arts, right. where it starts. Um, I, I do think it's less good for certain other things. Like, I think, for example, there are certain types of horror that it doesn't work very well for. There are certain types of horror I think it works fine for. Um, right. But there are absolutely certain types of horror I'm like, eh, I, it's not, not the system I would use. Right. Um, there, the, ditto for, like, you know, there are certain types of sort of more grounded stuff, like certain types of mysteries and things like that. I would be like, yeah, you could do it. I'm not going to, and absolutely, but if you were asking me what system I would use, it wouldn't be necessarily the top one. Um, so what would be, so as you mentioned earlier that when, um, when uh, James reached out to you, he said, uh, you said, I would do this if I made these couple yeah. things. What were the things that made taking the fake core as a foundation, what were the things that were very specific to Tin Sha that um, gave it that flavor? This is a really good question because this is like, because these turned out to be the things that were, yeah. I, I think if somebody said, what's unique about Tin Sha compared to fate? I'm like, it's these things that I really needed to have. The biggest one is the martial arts system. Okay. Um, uh, Four Kingdoms, the original game had a martial arts system where you take uh, what I call them an element tech, uh, substyle and a body substyle, but I, which is sort of a f physical and metaphysical, effectively, uh, you know, symbolic or otherwise um, a little more grounded. You okay. put these two elements together and you create a style that's your actual martial arts style. Um, okay. To use an example of how this works in Fate, and this is all of the uh, Tian Sha styles follow this model, which is um, there's an animal which is one of our body styles. And that could also be something else. It could be a, a fist or you, you could be a fist or sword or whatever, a physical object of some sort, rock, stone. We just happen to use animals. Um, so you have an animal on one side and then on the other side you have a um, uh, an element. And I try okay. to use traditional Chinese uh, elements as much as possible. So you have something that maps to, like instead of fire, I use lightning, but it's, it's fire, it's a fire element. Um, I, you know, I, instead of saying water, I said storm, that was poetic license. It's a water element. Um, yeah. and so you would combine the martial arts to say, I want to take the Phoenix style sub style and the storm style, and I'm going to put these together and I've got storm Phoenix Kung Fu and that's mm -hmm. my Kung Fu. That's and, cool. you can, and, um, that was something I really wanted to do because I liked it. And I had a friend of mine actually who made me, who, who was one of my original playtesters, uh, who promised me he, he, or, or made me promise him. He said, I don't care if you're in a different system. I don't care if you do anything else, but I had so much fun with this one thing. I just, I need there to be a game out there that does that. So if you do this game, please keep the modular martial arts system. And I was like, okay, 
promise to my old friend I'm going to do that. Uh, plus, I liked <laughs> it anyway. But it was so it was an easy promise to keep. Uh, that was one of them. Another uh, I, another part that links into that was something we call Zhang Hu Rank. Uh, Zhang Hu is the martial world. It features very prominently in the Wuja stories. It's sort of this other you know, parallel, not a true parallel world because it exists in the same terrestrial plane, right. but a um, but a but but a sort of metaphysical you know parallel in the sense that secret societies and all these warrior warrior culture separate from the day to day. Okay. And in the martial world, you might be completely different than what you are. A beggar who's a master martial artist might be one of the most respectable people in the martial world. But in the quote regular world, he's a he's a beggar. Right. Because he has no money and he has nothing and he lives on the street. And he may and um and that is I alternatively, you know, there might be someone who is a nobleman and very powerful and very influential who is also a leader of a great martial clan of warriors. And that character would be powerful in both the, you know, the sort of normal conventional cultural world of Shenzhou, which is the, the setting, or also in the, in Jinzi Zhenghu, the, the martial world. Uh, right. And the Zhenghu rank functions as a little bit of a social rank, but it's also uh, sort of a, a competency rank. Okay. If, if you're a certain level of Zhenghu. There are certain things that just don't, uh, the biggest thing, for example, is, Nobody with a lower Jang Hu rank than you can get teamwork bonuses when teaming up on you. It literally okay. doesn't matter how many of them there are. And so I could put a team of, you know, a hundred guys against a martial arts master. And they can all try to hurt him. They, they, they've yeah. got their shot, but they don't get the teamwork benefit because they don't, because he's too good. Their numbers are not a real true, you know, benefit, uh, and that is, uh, and it, it, it does a few other things. And I was like, I'm actually working on a book that's going to expand what Zheng Hu Rank does uh, a little bit um, into some more social and reputation elements as well. But um, and that'll be coming out at some point in the future. I'm not sure exactly when, but it's what I'm currently working on. But it, but it current, but what it does right now, it, primarily, is it works as sort of this. You know, it gives you a free invocation against someone of a lower Zheng Hu Rank once per scene. And it gives you, and it you, and they can't team up on you, okay. um, which which really does mean that if you have a you know big bad guy martial mm -hmm. artist, and he's there and he's gonna you know destroy the town unless you stop him, and he's if he's better than you, you and your buddies can absolutely fight him together, but you can't really fight him together. You have to individually engage with them, and if you watch a lot of these old movies, that's how it works. It's it's not even necessarily that everybody's fighting at the same time all the time. Right. Or, or, or they're taking turns, really, though there is a lot of that. It's that the the mastery trumps numbers. Um, right. I mean, possibly the, the, the greatest example of this is in the film Hero. Uh, where, yes, that's where, a good one. Yeah, and it's the scene where uh, two of the characters who are master martial artists uh, assault the Imperial City. And they fight their way through literally hundreds of soldiers. Right. And the way that would mechanically work in Tian Shaw is that like they get to fight each one of those like they're a single guy, yeah, and they can't team up on them. I mean, that's a long fight. I wouldn't want to run that fight. I hand, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd hand wave that fight, but that fight can be done, and uh, which also means that in that lesser opponents are a pacing mechanism. Okay, which is something a little different from traditional fate. Less, uh, lesser opponent, opponents can be a pacing mechanism in fate, but a mob can still beat you down. In Tian Sha, a mob that is not of equal rank to you is is a it's it's kind of a set piece, but that's so, intentional. 
So, so you bring up the 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 Jang Hu piece of that. Is that the equivalent of? Is that your your fake core example of what character progression would look like? No, well, because character progression still exists in fake core. We actually stuck uh, as close to fake core as we could. Um, okay. Because it was because because I was working on this game from the fake core preview document originally. Oh, and so wow. I would okay. actually have to go through and so, when they would revise rules, I would have to go back and sometimes change things. There's a few <laughs> things that just got left on the cutting room floor because they changed it something. I looked at what they changed and said, well, that's better. But now I have to go do that because right. I had been dealing with that thing over there. Um, that's why, you know, and, and it was intentional. We wanted something. Uh, there are a lot of fake designers, and I'm, and I'm not slamming on this. I'm just stating my observations of what they do. A lot of fake designers, and myself on other projects included, will take the fate skills and everything and they will really strip them down and move them around and so they might not have like you know they might have like you know eight skills in their particular version of fate or they might have um might change some of the you know the attributes around and some of the effects so they might mix some stuff from fate accelerated with fate core to create sort of a hybrid right. and we really wanted to do since we were working on it to be come out as close as possible to the actual fake core release, which when we were writing the book hadn't even happened yet. Wow. We wanted to do the book as close to the book as we could. I, I added one skill. That was another thing. I said, we have to have some sort of chi skill or key skill. And that's another right. word that has a bunch of different ways to pronounce it, depending on exactly what culture you're from, from an area. Um, but um, but, the, but the, the key skill was, was very much there for, um, uh, you know, that was something we needed to have. It was, it was like, okay, you can't really do this type of thing. And, and, and I think that was at the end of the day. It came to the real condition I had, which was never really that much of a condition because James was all on board with it. As, he was happy right. to help. Um, was as long as I can take fake core and make a game that I feel properly represents this genre that I love, I will do it. Right. If it can't, I am not going to want to use it. Right. And it was, it was really that simple because it was something that I deeply, really loved. This was not miss me going, oh, I like that stuff. You know, it was very much me saying, okay, I'm going to be spending a lot of time with this if I do it. You know, I'm going to be creating a whole world. I'm going to be creating characters. I'm going to be creating factions, politics. I'm going to be creating rules. I'm going to be creating mechanics. And if you know, I'm going to be writing fiction for it, I'm going to be, I'm going to be writing, I'm going to be helping develop other people's fiction for it and other people's work for it. If I'm going to do this, I have to really love it. And I have to love it not just as I love the source material that's inspired me to do this in the first place, but I also have to love it as like the rules I'm working with. And Fate Core gave me that. And and I'll be, and I'll be honest, not in a way I think Fate up until that point would have. Right. Until Fate Core, something about the or you know something is sometimes as simple as the organization, the codification of the actions, some of the elements. Being able to look at that and go, that's how I do that. So you mentioned like the 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 change we have with with the kung fu in there. So those that understand fake core pretty well, mm -hmm. um, maybe they'd be asking, "All right, did you was kung fu? That, and then is this stunts or extras? Where did you put this in?" So they're they're I call them techniques. Okay, they're they're stunts, but they're stunts designed. Um, so one thing I'm not a, so one thing I'm not a big fan of is, uh, and this was something I didn't like about earlier iterations of fate was. Mm -hmm. Uh, some of the stunt trees. I kind of like the, the stunts. I like stunts right. being out there. You can just pick a stunt. It makes sense. You know, it as long as it's well designed, it's fine. You don't need to have a stunt before that. 
I really right. like Spirit of the Century, but it had some of those where it's like, if you want this stunt, you have to take this stunt. And I'm like, it's not. Oh, right. There are games yeah. out there that do that. That's fine. There are games out there I like that do that. Fate it never felt quite right for me for Fate. Fate Core doesn't have that. Fate Core's got extras and stunts, but you know, you don't. And they and they get they talk about stunt trees. They talk about prerequisites and stunts as an option you may choose to put in. Right. But it's not a core part of the game, which is another thing for me. I'm a huge fan of options in games. I love optional rules. I love to discuss with people. Here's a way you could do this if you want to do it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Because right. I'm here to give you the tools to have fun, not to tell you exactly how to have fun. And what I what I really liked about it in this and in, in fate in that case was you know let me do let you do that um, and so that was the thing that made me also attracted me to fate core was all the options but they're options you know there, there's a core rule set there and then there's these options and that core rule set didn't have some of these things that I didn't you know care about care as 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 a default in some of the earlier other versions um, so when I went to look at doing techniques I also had a ten year old document of 36 different martial arts styles <laughs> that had descriptions and technique names and mechanical effects for what they did in the system that I was no, no longer using, but which I was trying to spiritually emulate. Okay. So I looked at the, the martial arts and I, at, at, that I had, and I looked at the fake core and I said, and, and the original thought was like, you know, there was all with all sorts of discussions and James and I would bounce ideas back and forth. And I would talk to other friends of mine. I would call up some friends of mine who had play tested with um, my friend, Jim Wong, a few other people, we would talk about it. And I'd say like, what do you think about this? And we would talk about, you know, how, well, you could just do the whole thing with aspects. I'm like, yeah, I don't, that's, that's too flowy. I don't want that. Right. We could do the whole thing with like extras and do it. This I said, well, I don't want to create a whole new system. Stunts seem like they would do it. I said, but I want them to be different somehow. Right. And so I came and said, well, let's design them all like stunts, but let's put them in sort of a, not a t exact tiered format, but you have to, you know, basically let's link them to the styles. Right. Let's make styles the thing you learn with refresh, basically, you know, so they're kind of like buying an extra of some sort, but that comes with, you know, what amounts to one aspect and some stunt and some techniques. You can also buy additional techniques with advancement. And once you've hit the magic number of, the, of, of your stunts, which is basically, you know, all the regular techniques, you then bump up your Zhang Hu rank, you become a master of that style, and you get a special technique that only exists in that particular combination. Oh, cool. So if, so for example, if I wanted to play a character who was, you know, was Iron Tiger Kung Fu, you know, the Iron Element and the Tiger Element come together. There are three techniques under tiger and there are three techniques under iron. Once I've learned all six, I get the iron tiger technique, which has its own special rules and is absolutely more powerful than the other techniques. That, that, that is a, that is a, like, that's one of the things that I did with balancing of it when creating stunts. If there's enough of a headache to get something, right. it will be better. Um, right. and, and that I think is, and that is supported by what we saw later come out from a lot of fate design documents about how to make stunts and things like that. But again, when I was doing it, it was like, the, this was like the basic document. And I'm just looking at this trying to reverse engineer. And I'm just glad that I was on the same page with Ryan Macklin and, and Balsero and some of these other guys who were like, you know, okay, well, this is, you know, how we do a technique kind of. And, um, and then, um, but, but so that's what I, you know, what they did, they were, they were stunt slash techniques. They were designed, they were based off of a, of a, of a game, you know, that never got published, but that was written 10 years, you know, 10 years before prior. And then they were, um, put together, you know, 
mechanically to, lo- right. to work as stunts, but under sort of an extras format, which also included the form of the martial art, which is an as- a free a free extra aspect that everyone who studies martial art get, gets. So right. when you start, learn a new Kung Fu style, you get that form as well, which can be invoked and used like any other form, but it also can be recognized and interacted with. And that's, again, how we get to, to things like, I can see what form of martial art you're using because I found a way of detecting that aspect. Right. And I can, and I've faced fighters like that before. So I'm going to invoke your aspect as an advantage for myself. Okay. That's because cool. Because I'm going to defeat you. And then another character might be over here going, well, that's fine. But I'm, but my form, I'm going to actually invoke my own form because I'm, I, you know, I've always had excellent form and this form is like, you know, this is how I manifest my martial arts abilities. And that, you know, be a way, another aspect to play with. Um, right. Also, you can do what you can do with aspects and techniques and stunts. Um, you know, and, and again, this is, this is an optional, but I do talk about in a couple of books, um, particularly one that we've, we're going to hopefully be kickstarting relatively soon. I do talk about, uh, the, the make sure your GM's okay with this particular thing I'm going to say next. Get someone's really paying attention and be like, I can do this, Jackson. It's okay. It's like, <laughs> start with your GM. Um, but they, the techniques act the same way as aspects and stunts do in fate with regards to advancement. We mentioned advancement earlier. Right. So if you have a technique that I wrote down that I created, you know, however many years ago, whatever, and you say, well, this is what the technique does. This is what it, you know, it it gives me this bonus under this circumstance. But my character is kind of like a Kung Fu prodigy and he's been developing his own styles and things like that. So for my milestone advancement, I want to change the stunt, but instead of changing one of these regular stunts I have, I want to change the technique. And I want to customize my technique to be different, to be more what my character would do and create my own variant of the style, which as someone who's taken martial arts, kind of how martial arts works, you're often taking, you learn what people do, but then you find out like, you know, I can't kick above the knee, so I'm not going to, I'll find Mm -hmm. another thing to do, you know, that's going to be more effective for me or whatever, you know, whatever someone else, somebody's got a bad shoulder. They don't tend to use that shoulder as much for certain things because they don't want to aggravate the injury. Um, so you can kind of do that to some degree, um, play to your strengths and weaknesses. Um, and then the same thing with the aspect. If you said, I'm going to call my, my iron tiger variant is not going to be called, you know, Brown, I'm going to call it Brown's Panther because I want it because I'm, and it's, it, it functionally is the same as iron tiger, but it's got these changes. You can do that. You can change the, the aspect. I'm going to change my aspect. I get to change an aspect when I advance. I think it's, I'm going to change my iron tiger form aspect. And I'm going to change it to Bronze Panther. What does that mean? Oh. It's a, it's an Iron Tiger variant, but it's mine. So it might be a little right. harder for people to understand if they don't know me. It might be a little more mysterious to a, a master who you know is trying to f- figure out what my abilities are. But on the other hand, I'm not going to get a lot of respect for using this thing that nobody's ever seen before. It's harder for people to. It's, would it be harder for the game master to use a compel on that then? I, th- I think it could be, or you just use a different compel. You know, I mean, yeah. that, I mean, because because be, because at the same time, it's still a variant of an existing style. And so that, that, that history never goes away. So if, if somebody has, you know, if, if you have a villain who has, you know, devoted his life to destroying the, you know, the, the iron tiger martial artist, because that's the style used by a guy who wronged him. um, You wouldn't necessarily, you know, renaming your aspect, but using basically the same style might, it, it, it wouldn't really necessarily eliminate the ability for that to be compelled or used against you. 
it might just right. change exactly how it is. But then again, that's again, it's something we see a lot in the stories. Characters go back and they retrain, they develop new skills, they learn their own style, they develop their own variant of a style, and then they go and they move. And and, and the same thing works with uh, you know skills and and aspects, and you know even just even just character aspects. You might have a character who during the advancement they go, you know, they start out as a young, you know, plucky young student. And if the game long goes on long enough, they said it's time to rewrite that plucky young student aspect, and I am a mature master of kung fu because right. I've been doing it long enough that like right. and, and that and, it cha and that changes how things can be compelled and used. Um, and and also again, this is the reason why I say you know get approval of your GM because some GMs are going to say, look guys, this is a great idea, but I don't want to have to keep track. Like I have this book of martial arts techniques, so I can keep track of what they all do. Yeah. And if you can customize all of them, then we have. It's, it's a headache and we're all going to get confused. And that's a fair thing. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure, you know, when I run, I kind of go back and forth. I like the idea of letting people do it, but I'm also very much like, let's not overdo that. If you're, if you're happy with Lightning Phoenix as your style, let's not change it to something else just because. Let's right. make sure there's a reason why. And again, it's another reason I like Fate because Fate really encourages that. Like, you can do whatever you want. You should have a reason for it. If you don't have a reason for it, don't do it. And that's a th and I think a lot of role playing games are like that, but Fate, you know, is one of them, and is right. and I and I do I've always appreciated that with games where they say you know, make it very easy for characters to modify and customize, but also you know kind of remind everybody that purpose is one of the elements to doing that. Because um, you kid, this came out in 2013, yeah. and then for the last and for the last several years, um, your most recent one was. Uh, strife fire and smoke which yeah. we mentioned was a pirate season that and came then, out in 2017 yeah so it's been a while um we yeah. actually have um we, as i mentioned earlier you know books coming out as a kickstarter so um you know covid was a was a huge disaster for everybody right. um and there was a lot of problem with that and then also there's been some personal issues with myself and james and other people involved and so there's been some delays um, and we didn't want to put anything out in Kickstarter or otherwise until we could do it. We didn't want to put out a crowdfund or, you know, put out a pre-order and then not be able to fulfill. That was always something right. you see that happen. And things happen and people usually are pretty understanding as long as the delays are reasonable. But we saw no reason to set ourselves up to fail in advance. Right. So um, there's been kind of this like, well, let's do, let, let's have the stuff done and ready. And then let's move as much as we can. And then let's do a cloud crowdfund and let's move on from there. So where mm -hmm. we're at right now, we've been kind of hanging at for a while, which is why I don't. I wish I had like it'd be great to be able to like a scoop and be like, we're doing it on this day, but I don't <laughs> know when that is. Um, is uh, like I've we've written the next book. Okay, it's done. It's written. It's mostly laid out. Do you have an exclusive and say what the title is? I I, I can tell you what it is. Um, okay, it is, it is a it is a specific version of Fake Core for. It's the Fate Core Rules, rewritten. Uh, Sophie Laglossi has done some other wonderful stuff for Fate. And as a very experienced Fate designer, uh, kind of took the took the like, reins on that, so I could write other stuff. There is writing of mine. I did invoke, put some story stuff in there, uh, but mostly it was her and uh, Matt Miller, uh, one of the guys that, that works with Vigilance, and they basically put together a. It, it's the Fate Core Rules, but it's customized with discussions and optional rules and other elements that are all. For so, because previously you needed a copy of Fate Core to play with Tian Sha, mm -hmm. it is it does require a copy of the Fate Core rules. That also was intentional. We 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 knew we could technically 
take the fake core rules and include them in the game. But with when we were releasing something right when the fake core came out, we kind of were like, why don't we not? Why don't we put something that's companion? You know, right. as sort of not only a, a sort of an, a goodwill nod to Evil Hat for the thing they were doing that we were so quickly following, but also functionality element like you know we knew a lot more people were going to have copies of fake Cora than we're going to have copies of tian Sha at least to start you know that was going to be a thing but over the years we've had people ask for could be you know are we ever ever going to get like just a fake core version of the rule for us just something we can just use and we were originally going to say well that's just copying the rules we don't want to do that we put more art in it that's cool you know we could change some stuff but then as time came on we started talking a little bit more and we said there are discussions there are ideas there are tweaks there are some things that can be slightly reworded in ways that we like you know there, there are some functional elements like you know we added a skill we could put that skill in with all the other skills you know it's right. not a huge change but it is a it is a sort of a quality of life you know for the for the gm and the and the players you know just some small stuff like that but also included like you know new martial arts new abilities new you know okay. new, new stuff in there as well that's our and and we're gonna that's gonna be our next Kickstarter and our next release. Uh, so that's gonna be like a tenth anniversary. Yeah, sort of. It's gonna. I mean, yeah. it didn't start plan that way, but you know, that's kind of how the world decided it was gonna be that way. Right. Um, and then I have written. <laughs> so while that was going on, I, <laughs> I I was writing the other books. Okay. So I've written a book on antagonists and villains. Cool. I've written a book on the north the the eastern provinces of the empire the central provinces of the empire which includes the emperor and the oh, you know wow. the, all the all the imperial politics and everything right um what the uh the eastern book will have mantis kung fu and the uh central book will have the faction organization rules for running your own school running your own detective oh, okay. agency running your own you know government agency whatever it is um right. and basically a way of using the fake core rules on a sort of scaled out to basically be an organization um nice so yeah it's going to be in there and then we're also going to have uh that's the antagonist book is going to include some new martial arts and a lot of what we call lost techniques lost techniques are kind of this extra slash special stunt area if things don't quite fit into a martial art style but they are undeniably part of the genre they're a lost usually a lost technique um a lost technique might be something like um the being able to fight in unison with another trained fighter very very well or being able to like a particular singular move like i've got a palm strike that i can use that'll right. like knock over that can break you know break stones and knock over walls that might be a technique in a regular style, but it could also very much be a singular technique that's learned. And again, that's something you see a lot in the in the in the in spirit, inspirational material, the media. You have these these special techniques. Sometimes there's a sometimes there are movies or stories about a hero that needs to learn a single technique to defeat this great you know evil you know master or organization whatever. And you know that's what a lost technique might be, in addition to the regular and stuff you have. And will you have? Is Denise Jones going to be illustrating these as well? Denise is is going to be illustrating everything that we can get her to illustrate. Um, <laughs> she illustrate. She did illustrate the book I was talking about. That's mostly that's that's you know going to be the big kickstarted thing that's out first. Um, and then then there's a question mark. Um, right. We just don't know. Um, we would like to get singular artists to illustrate, and we also are really looking at like maintaining the style that Denise created while also allowing, of course, an artist to right. do their own thing. 
Um, I, we, we haven't really, we haven't picked an artist, but we've been looking uh, not only at individuals, but also just at styles. Like how we, how right. do we want it to look? How do we want it to feel? Um, I'm a big fan. I, I would have never dreamed that they were going to, when we originally did the book, that we would get a single artist on all the books. Right. Particularly not somebody as talented as Denise and yeah. who's just so easy to work with and just wonderful. But I also, you know, really loved it when we did it. I loved that every single illustration was from the sum, you know, it, it gave, it sort of bound the book visually together for me in a way that I love. And I, well, I reckon, so, so personally, and again, it's not my ultimate decision, but what I'm hoping is that we'll see a similar art design, you know, going forward, regardless mm -hmm. of whether or not Denise or somebody else ends up working on them. Uh, but, but, but you will see more Denise art. That's an absolute, yes. because we will, we, we have stuff she's done that nobody's seen yet. Um, but we also may have another artist working. We're going forward. So if so, we we do have like artists and, and and illustrators that listen and watch the podcast. What would be a great way for people that if they're interested in reaching out? What would be the best way to do that? Uh, I would say you know uh, check uh, contact Vigilance Press, contact James. Dawson. Okay, Vigilance yeah, Press. I mean yeah. James is James is an artist himself. He's a very experienced right. artist. He's the art director on all the projects. He is way better at being an art director than I. So good. So I got to say, this has been great, Jack. So if people want to, if people want to learn more about, uh, people want to learn more about Tian Xiao, what would be the best place where they can find the book? Uh, the, so the best place to find the book right now uh, is mm. uh, in PDF form. Okay. Um, just because as we are in on drive through RPG is probably the easiest place to do that. Okay. Um, we just recently, um, the, the, the first print run has, is, is no more. Um, okay. There's a few copies floating around, but but it's not. And you might be able to find them in a store, but it's going to be hard to order or get a hold of. Uh, we are looking at getting those ready and up for print on demand, so people okay. can just print. Them. Uh, and, and there's a, a lot of reasons for that. Uh, the biggest ones being that print on demand has gotten a lot better in recent years. So if people are interested, if people want to follow you, what would be the best place they could find you? Oh, well, geez, media? what is the best? I, I haven't been, you know, I used to be on more stuff than I was on. Uh, I am on Twitter. It's uh, at Jack Nor N-O-R-R, because -R, uh, Norris was taken probably by the vegan guy. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I am, I am, I have a love-hate relationship with Twitter, but I do spend some time there. Yeah. Um, and then honestly, another thing that I don't mind is like, within reason, I really don't mind like, people reaching out to me like as long as they don't try to like you know kind of surreptitiously do it or creepy uh, if people i've had people you know find me on a message board and say man i'm really sorry but i got a question about tian cha you know yeah. and they'd send me a private message is it okay to, and this was this was great by the way is it okay for me to talk to you about it you know or something yeah. like that and i you usually will be like yeah absolutely you know let's yeah, talk nice uh, you know sometimes i can't sometimes won't sometimes i may not for a particular reason but it's uh, i'm pretty open with it. Yeah. Perfect. So, um, but yeah. So, and uh, and like I said, I'm also working. I said I'm currently working a lot with Vigilance Press. I'm also working a lot with um, Gallant Night Games. Those are probably my two biggest folks I'm working with right now. Mm. I'm also doing a lot of work for Modifius with uh, Dune, and I, okay. I did the John Carter line. Um, and I don't necessarily always, you know, do a lot of their, you know, message boards and everything like that. But again, you will see me interacting with those people if you follow them on social media. You know, like okay. that's another way to kind of find me if I'm, you know, because a lot of times I will be talking to those folks or communicating with them and, and doing events and things. So. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate oh, no it, Jack. This has been good. And listen, come back on when you have your Kickstarter coming. Absolutely, absolutely. Look forward yeah. to it. Excellent. Right.